Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown with Shannon Rubnett. Hey, wanted to talk with you. I've been getting this question a lot lately. Uh, lockdown's coming to an end. We're getting back our lives. Now a good time to buy. You know, it's, it's kind of like oxygen, right? When you need it, you need it. I want to tell you a little story. And I want to see if you can figure out who the smarter person was. And I use this story because these are two very close people to me. One is my parents, and one is a really good friend of mine. In 2007, my really good friend bought a house in a really nice part of town. He was feeling pretty good about himself, had been working at his business for quite some time, was feeling quite successful. And he and his wife rewarded themselves with a great real estate purchase, and they bought a really nice house. They paid about $700,000 for it. And that was a lot. That was a lot uh, in the time, in the market, in everything. And uh, they bought that in 2007, and it wasn't but about 18 months later, the market started to falter. Things started to go south. And we started to see the effects of the economy crashing into 2008 and 2009. And I remember talking with my friend and trying to figure out what he was going to do. And, you know, he... He applied for some help. He got some reduction on his principal, uh, or, or uh, not on his principal, sorry, but on his, uh, his mortgage rate. But he continued to pay on that house. And he continued to pay on that house, and he continued to pay on that house. And, and that house went from $700,000 in value to $600,000 in value, down to five hundred, four hundred. dollars I think it bottomed out right about four. About three seventy five was where that thing bottomed out. The whole time he was paying on it, just like it was a seven hundred thousand dollar house, and he kept making that payment, kept making that payment. And all around him, there was foreclosures happening, and people were giving the house back. And then we heard a lot of statements like, "Man, I'm not paying that kind of money for a house that's only worth three fifty. But he kept paying. He kept paying. He kept paying. That was thirteen years ago. You do the math on that, and he is halfway through his payment cycle on a 30-year loan. He paid when it was painful. He paid when it was easy. He stayed in his house. He maintained that. And at the end of the time, we're now sitting back here in the beginning of 2020, and his house is worth about $850,000 now. And then I had these other people that I know. I know them really well. They're my parents. And my parents were in a position where they had bought a couple of houses during the turbulent times in the higher end neighborhoods, and they would live there for a couple of years, and they would improve them, and then they would sell them and make a, a modest profit. But the market kept going south, and the market kept going south, and the market kept going down. I think it was about 2012, maybe the end, middle of 2011, my parents picked up at the very bottom a beautiful house, strangely, in the same neighborhood as my friend. Right down the street, very similar homes, very similar styles. And they paid about four and a quarter for it. It had been dilapidated. It had been abused. It had been vacated. And my parents began to fix that house up. And they put about $50,000 into it. So they're sitting there at four seventy-five, And now their house is worth about nine hundred. I tell you this story to ask you this question. Which one do you think you would rather be? Would you rather be my friend who now has a $900,000 house 
that he owes about three and a quarter on because he continued to make his payments and he got his timing completely backwards or would you rather be my parents who bought the house at absolutely the right time were walking around with cash money trying to find the place to buy and had moved and had put the work into it and now they have a house that's worth about 900 that they paid they're in that they have a mortgage on of about 350 see the point is both of these people have made a huge amount of money in the real estate market with their opportunity and i say that to tell you that timing in the market isn't so much about timing of the market it's about timing of you timing of your life timing of what your circumstances are because i can tell you right now if you have the money to buy a house with three and a half percent interest rates i cannot think of one reason why you shouldn't the one the only reason i could think that you shouldn't is is if you just cannot manage your money you have money but you just can't manage it that would put you in a terrible situation but if you have the ability to buy a house you should buy a house the ability to buy a rental is a different story that people have a different answer to people want to step into the rental market with different safety parameters some none at all but some have a lot more safety parameters some need to have a year's worth of payments in the bank some need to have you know uh, the ability to buy, uh, to, to carry it with no tenant. I mean, there's just all the different kinds of things that everybody wants to have for their safety net. But if you have established what you can do for a safety net, what I'm here to tell you is that a minor fluctuation in pricing is not going to defer you from your game. Because what I will tell you is those that bought houses in 2007 may have had to put a little bit of money with them to get them to rent in 2009 because there was a plethora. But in 2010, that wasn't the case. In 2011, that wasn't the case. Even though the housing market was falling, rental prices were stable because people were giving back homes that they didn't uh, deserve and that they couldn't afford them or they had negative amortizing loans on them or other things like that. But people still had to have a place to live. It wasn't that we, we created a massive homeless population out of 2008 and 2009. We created a humongous rental market out of 2008 and 2009. So when you're looking at it and you're trying to figure out how do I time the market to be perfect, I can tell you this, you won't. Uh, there, are, there are plenty of examples in stock trading, in uh, in asset tr trading all along where people have tried to time the market and it hasn't worked. However, like Warren Buffett is a huge fan of it. If you can buy it and you can afford it, you should buy it and you should hold it for a long time. You know, Warren Buffett's uh, famous for, for the longevity of his holds. And he is, he is famous for downplaying his own intelligence because of the strategy of compounding interest in time. And so I'm here to tell you guys, if you are able to buy a house and you are able to make the payment and you are look, looking around you and you have some savings and you have those things, then I think that your personal choice is really the one you need to address. And that personal choice 
should be that you can buy a house. If you're looking to branch out and buy your first rental and you're asking yourself, well, what happens if I buy the rental and, and the market collapses? Well, if you're having that question, I'm here to tell you, my friend, you have not done enough market research. See, in my market, I'm building projects that take 12 to 36 months to complete. I'm not building those projects based on my thought process. I'm not building those projects based on what I feel the market's going to do. I have paid people money, independent, third party with access to lots and lots of information. I paid them money to tell me what the projected absorption rate is, what the projected need is going to be. And I can tell you that regardless of the economy being up or down, our need for housing over the next five years is going to grow. And the reason I know this is because we all have graduates happening this year. In my, in my town, in my, in my city, in the Treasure Valley there, we'll graduate probably about 5,000 students. It's really easy to think that those 5,000 students, 3,000 of them, are going to need a place to live. 2,000 are probably going to stay with mom and dad, stay at home, go to college, stay at home, get a job, but not really ready to move out right now. But 3,000 of those little butterflies are going to take off, and maybe half of them are going to land in a, in a college dorm, and the other half are going to land in... An apartment and they're probably going to do what we did when we when we left home get a couple of roommates make it work even just with that the population of, of renters is going to grow and so drilling into your local market area and drilling into the absorption rates and, and a great realtor can get you all this information a great realtor can find this for you can get you this data to, to make sure that you have what you're needing to make the intelligent choices for yourself and for your rental portfolio. But when you're sitting there looking at it and you're trying to figure it out and you're guessing, you're doing the wrong things. So get with a, a realtor that can give you the resources that can tell you what the expected growth rate is. Most people in their cities, they have a chamber of commerce and a chamber of commerce has projected growth rates. Um, the economic forecast of the governor will talk about housing needs and, and things like that. So there's a lot of places you can gain those resources without having to pay for them. But the thing is that you have to identify what is your goal. See, when my friend's case and my parents' case, their goal was simply to buy a house and to live in that house and to stay in that house and to enjoy that house. Theirs wasn't to rent it out. But if yours is to rent it out, you need to ask yourself, are you going to do the fix and flip? Are you going to buy a a trash pile and fix it up and get it flipped out to another person? Are you going to do the BRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRR
laminated canoes. These things take hours. I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of time that goes into these. And when they are done, they are such a work of art. But the pride that my uncle has in these canoes is beyond that because it's what he enjoys, right? I don't. I don't like doing that. I like doing other things. I like manipulating spreadsheets. I like looking at real estate. I like doing things. It's not that I'm lazy, but building a cabinet is going to involve a trip to the emergency room at some point for me. And that's not usually how I like to spend my Saturday. So when I look at buying a rental, I want to buy a rental that's pretty much ready to go. Pretty okay, pretty all right, don't have to do a lot, can just call the property management company and get a tenant in there. By the way, if you're looking for resources on need, property management companies are great for that because although a lot of them will tell you, oh yes, we need more, a lot of them can tell you with their track record and their portfolio how fast they've been able to make things rent and what part of the town is the best part, where to get your best value, where to get your best rents. So they're always a great resource to reach out to. So once you figure that out, I recommend personally, if you're just getting started, nice little two bedroom, one bath, three bedroom, two baths, something small. Buying something 2,500 square feet on a quarter of an acre with a big yard and a pool and all of that stuff, six bedrooms, woohoo, that's not a good idea. Because the reality is when you look at that, your rental market is based on rent per square foot. And when you look at a, in my market, a $260,000 house is going to be a 1,400 square foot, three bedroom, two bath, nice little lawn, cute little place, two car garage. And that's going to rent for about 1600 bucks. So if I do the math, that's about $1.20 a square foot. If I'm looking at a large house on a large lot, five bedrooms, six bedrooms, I'm going to attract a large family. And I don't know how big your family was growing up, but big families are kind of hard on stuff. Young kids spilling this, running through the house, crayons on the wall, chalk on the sidewalk, all those kinds of things. Not that that's a bad thing. I loved watching my kids do that. Well, not really writing on the wall. I didn't prefer that, but they, they were quite artists. They, they told me. But what I found is that if you're buying something like that, you're going to be in about the 450 range in my area. And it's going to rent for about 2,700 a month, 2,800 a month. So your cost per square foot is going to go down to somewhere around 85, 95 cents. Not a great return, not as good of a return as what you're going to get out of the typical tiny or adequate 1,200, 1,400 square foot three bedroom, two bath. So now that you've identified your three bedroom, two bath is what you want to buy and you've gone to find that and you've gotten your property manager lined up and you buy it and the market drops, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to reach into your savings. You're going to reach into your extra accounts and you're going to make sure that you still have enough to pay that payment. See, what happens most of the time is the market doesn't stop. It's not, people have this thought process that when the engine goes out of an airplane, it completely falls out of the sky like a stone. And it doesn't, it glides. In fact, did you know that a 747 can glide for one mile for every thousand feet of altitude with no engine? So at 
8,000 feet, that gives your pilot 30 miles to figure out what to do. Now, with the plane that size in the middle of Kentucky, that might not be enough time. But the reality is there's a serious glide ratio to that. And it's going to be the same with real estate. So when you're thinking about that and you're, you're worried that, oh, my gosh, what if I can't rent it? I, my mortgage payment's $1,200. What if I can only get uh, $10, $1,000 for it? What am I going to do? Well, I can tell you exactly what you're going to do. You're going to pull $200 out of your wallet and you're going to put with it and you're going to make the payment and you're going to move on. But how long are you going to have to do that? Forever? No. Until the market picks back up. What has been a what has been a low rent cycle? We haven't had a low rent cycle in the last 25 years where rents have depressed to the point that it's 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 painful. See, when you look at it and you have to put an extra two, let's say you have to put an extra $200 because things substantially changed and you cannot make this thing cash flow, you're talking about $2,400 in a year. You're not talking about a massive amount of money when you just bought a $260,000 asset. So having a bit of a reserve is an okay thing to have. It's a necessary thing to have. So when you get done with that and you've created that and you've got your reserve, you just do. That's why a lot of people say, well, you just got to go do your first deal to figure out what you want. There's a lot of truth to that because you know what? There's a lot of lessons to be learned. And I equate it to this. When you go to college, you pay about $35,000 a year for some people that have had a lot of knowledge in a certain area to teach you the certain thing you think is important. Real estate's the same way. It's just not you picking lessons. You don't get to decide it's going to be accounting 101. That's your property manager and you and your accountant talking through that class. You don't get to decide if you're going to take wood shop or welding. That may just be your, your property telling you we need some repairs. So guys, when you're looking at it and you're trying to figure out what to do, doing something intelligently is always the best way to do it. I don't, I don't recommend doing things without thought process. But if you've got a little bit of savings and you've got the ability to go out there and get something, even if you're not in a cash flow position because the market changes, you're still going to be in a position where if you'd have bought a house in 2011, this $260,000 house we're talking of in 2011 would have been about 90 grand. And you would have continued to put $200 a month with it the whole time. That is nine years. So we are talking about $18,000, $20,000, dollars $200 a month. You would have put $20,000 with your $90,000 house and you would be sitting on a $260,000. Explain to me how they're losing in that market. And see what Warren Buffett says and what I think a lot of people do that's very important that you not do is look at the monthly, weekly, daily value of your asset, but look at the yearly, the year-long and the decade-long performance of your asset. Because if you could get that thing to cash flow, maybe make you a couple hundred bucks on the second year, it pays you back for the first year, but the house at $260,000 is going to start appreciating also. And if that house, like it does in my area, is appreciating it, well, we're having some really good times, but if that house is appreciating at 5% a year, you're receiving an additional $5,000 a month in value. So guys, don't overthink 
the when is a good time to buy. A good time to buy your first rental home is when the market demand is adequate that you can rent it and when you have the ability to buy it and you have a good team around you to help you acquire it, finance it well, and move forward with the rental of it, I think that is the time to buy. When you get into the, the analysis paralysis of, are we gonna see a 5% drop in the market? Are we gonna see a 10% drop in the market? I know people that have been sitting on the sidelines since 2016, waiting on an adequate drop in the market to get involved. And guess what? They've missed 30% rise in the market because they were looking for a 4% drop. Now, I want you to do yourself another favor. I want you to go back to when you think it was the best to buy. In 2012, the market was rebounding. Things were coming up. There were some pretty good indicators. 2013 was nice and strong. And find out, do the math, and figure out what the house you want to buy was going to cost then, dollar-wise, and what the mortgage was on it because you were staring down 6.5%. Now you're looking at a quite a reduced mortgage payment that I think will put you in a better cash flow position regardless of the price. So price in terms is a very important thing in this equation, boys and girls. But hey, I've given you enough to think about. If you need more information, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You know all the regular places, shannonrobnet.com. Thank you for spending some time with me here at the Real Estate Rundown. I look forward to talking with you guys soon. Have a great day.